Welcome to Sweat the Details, brought to you by Nest Realty. I'm Jim Duncan, and I'm joined today by Keith Davis and our guest, Mike Simonson, the founder and CEO of Altos Research. For 13 years, Altos has been a leader in the industry by converting data into useful information for realtors, builders, developers, homeowners, and all of the parties interested in the real estate market. By combining information from around the U.S., Mike and his team at Altos have created indicators that more rapidly identify actual trends in the market and make that information something that can be used and can become actionable. During the downturn nearly a decade ago, we frequently told our clients that they needed to be aware of where the market was heading and consider that future when making a buying or selling decision. Altos research allows homeowners and their agents to gauge the market today, not at the end of the quarter or, or within six weeks in the rearview mirror. Mike is going to discuss the Altos Market Action Index, which looks at active listings, frequency of new contracts, asking prices, and many more variables to project the current health of the market. He will also talk about how this one simple number allows homeowners to respond rather than just chasing a market. This single point allows the trend to stand out and decisions to be based not on a hunch, but on hard facts of the movement of a market. So what's next in the number analysis game? Mike will talk about his own home purchase when he recently bought a second home, and he shares a vision for how artificial intelligence might change the home search process. We discuss a way that Tinder-type technology might help agents better predict what homes might be attractive to a buyer. But in the market today, it's still largely about gut. It's still about falling in love with a home and then determining how not to overpay. But information is about gaining confidence that a buyer or seller is making the right decision. We all know that more information than ever is available to us as agents and to the consumers. In many ways, it is the job of the agent to help a client see the truth in the information and gauge the validity of information so the right decision is made. It's about knowing whether tax assessments, Zestimates, listing prices, or other public data repository provides the most accurate estimates of value. Mike Simonson is looking to change the model and add confidence and trust into the real estate transaction and the realtor relationship. We hope you'll enjoy this conversation as we explore what's possible today and what we hope to see in the near future. You're, you're, you're doing a lot of, you look at data from a national scale. Now, are there any things out there that you see from a, from a data point perspective that are, um, that are interesting to you right now or you're or troubling or exciting? I mean, where, where do you see, you know, just you know, use your you know, narrow lens of where you see our market? Yeah, so we are in a, um, we're actually in an interesting time in that last fall, things cooled off a lot. Uh, around the country, right? Uh, pretty broadly around the country, and as markets as as interest rates climb, and so we are looking now to say, does 2019 keep cooling, or does it react to? Does it re, does it does it um, reset right. and start fresh like the past seven years? So we can actually see things like. The mortgage rates have, have been falling the last several months, and the early signal in the data is that that uh, things are that the prices and demand is recovering right alongside the mortgage rates, like it's been really tightly uh, correlated with rates. And um, and you know, so how does an agent talk to their clients who may be reading headlines that say the market's cooling? In a, in a time when it's maybe actually not cool or it's it's picking up again. I, I mean, I will say the one thing that that certainly stands out as a big question in my mind right now is that if we're seeing such a dramatic correlation between the falling rates and the rising, you know, the uncooling of the market, if you will, it it does make you question going into this year if we do see three rate hikes over the course of the year from the Fed, 
you know, how dramatic a change that could be because it's obviously as sensitive as it's ever been. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, I think, a, a real interesting question. We, um, uh, and, and, and looking at um, mortgage rates independent of Fed rates, too. So if the, if, the, if the economy keeps growing and the Fed is hiking, but we have the American mortgage market as, as safe haven for international cash, mortgage rates may may drop and and it's funny over the years i have i am unable to predict mortgage rates (laughs) i have no idea where they are if i could predict mortgage rates i wouldn't be in the real estate data business i'd be in a in a mortgage business um the uh so so what so what the reason that's one of the reasons what we do is is measure really quickly um measure every week publish data out each week so that we can see the signals as they tick in each week and not wait till middle of April to tell you how, or end of April to tell you how March did. Right. So in, we, we talked the other day as we were prepping for this that about the gestation period for, uh, for buyers and sellers, frankly, in this market. Have you, and you've been doing this for a long time with the data. Does the data show that that gestation period is, has been shortening, has been lengthening? Or has it stayed the same? And what have you seen the last you know, n- number of years? So the, the only time in the last uh, bunch of years when I saw that time shorten dramatically, uh, and I'll tell you how I measure that shorten, but, but the only time I saw it short dramatically was when we had the tax credit. The first time homebuyer tax credit, remember that in 2010? It, it ended April 1 of 2010. And we crammed in a bunch of transactions. Basically, anybody thinking about buying that year did it before April. Right. And, and so we could see it. And the way we see it is really fascinating. So we'll measure every week around the country every, the price of every single home that got listed this week. So that's a cohort of newly listed this week. And that cohort is a really amazing wisdom of the crowd sample. You can see that like the agents are, know exactly where to price a house. They know, you know, the demand's a little higher. And so in, in, in any given house, maybe over or underpriced, but in aggregate at a zip code level or certainly at a, a regional or national level, know exactly where to price a house. So the signals of the organic level of demand happen in this cohort of newly listed properties. It turns like, between January 7 and January 15, well, I, we got a little spring demand here and it already starts climbing. Um, so we can watch that signal. And then about a month later, the, the inflection point for the market as a whole is now. So we've got four weeks of newly listed properties following that trend. You've got, you then watch, uh, so four weeks after that, you'll see the, the, the rest of the market turn or the, the median price turn. And then about four weeks after that, You'll see um, the ones we call absorbed. They're going into contract. They're not yet closed, but they're coming off the market. You'll see that inflection point. So you see these dominoes. And then a month after that is when the contracts are done and you start seeing that. So you've got 90 days of signal. And then after that, you start getting reported on what closed. So you can really see now houses are on the house get list gets listed today in, in March. It's, um, 
maybe uh, gets an offer in in April or May. It closes in June. You start seeing that date in July right. out there. But we can see that signal now. So it, when that tax credit happened, that window compressed, that 120 days compressed. Uh, but the rest of the time, it's about it's about that time. It's about 90 to 120 And that's, been, sta- that's out- been stable for, for 10 years, with that one exception. That's exactly right. It broadly, uh, um, what, what it, we see out there. Now it compresses a little bit, uh, when days of market shorter, uh, nationally, but, uh, you know, the, so in some markets, uh, the hot markets, the days, you know, might be, you might be 28 days or something in the hot market on average. Um, and in, in slower markets might be 180 days. And so you average them out around the, around the world, around the country, and, and, you know, you get that window that's about 120 days, but you can start seeing the signal four months early. So, I was just going to ask, in, in terms of your, your clients and the way they utilize your data and the agents who are buying it, are they recognizing, are they able to see these trends as, as easily as you do in terms of, obviously, you're looking at, at data every day, all day. What's what's the impact of to, to the agents on seeing this stuff on a regular basis? Yeah, you know, what we do in the Altos Research Report is we have uh, visualizations and some analytics that make it easier for agents. So a lot of agents, a lot of consumers are like, you know, you can look at this chart and it bounces all over the place. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Right. You know? um, but what we do is we have, an ex- we have a, uh, a couple of things that we do to make it readable and so that any you know, any, uh, anyone can look at the report and, and understand. First thing we do is we have a system that writes descriptive text, looks at a few thousand different variables in the data, and will write the text and it'll say, um, home prices ticked up again this week. Um, we are reaching, nearing an all time high in this, in this area, uh, and demand is higher. So, that paragraph will will be written so that uh, anybody you don't have to interpret the data yourself. Right. That's one thing we do. The other technique we use is we have a we have a stat that we call the market action index. It's designed to be an at a glance number for answering the question, "How's the market?" Um, and Jim, you probably heard me a long time. I've been saying for a long time. There's only three questions that consumers have: What's for sale? How much is my house worth? And how's the market? And so the the market data. Everybody's got listing alerts. That's you know, and, and IDX search. That's what's for sale. They've got the apps on their phone. They know what's for sale now. Uh, the how much is my house worth? Evaluation exercise. We know that if you're listing, you want to know how much it's worth, and that converts as leads very well. It actually, you know, consumers are very interested. In that. Yep. Uh, how's the market? Is everything else? And that's what the market data is. Is it a good time? And all those things. So we use our market action index as an at-a-glance number for how's the market. Um, that is, uh, what it does is looks at supply versus demand. It looks at, you can watch the, the, how quickly things are turning over. You can watch things like contracts are falling through and properties are getting relisted. All these numbers go back into a demand indicator. The, the supply indicators inventory. And so we can look, do supply versus demand and turn it into a number. So when our market action index climbs, demand is increasing. When it falls, uh, demand or supply is, is increasing. So uh, demand is decreasing. So, that, 
you have a threshold where below, in our case, below 30 is a buyer's opportunity, above 30 is seller's opportunity, it's tight enough. What we do is the technique, and this was uh, one that I um, borrowed from our friend Lee Brown in, in, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Lee will take the reports and say to her clients, she's got a report at uh, the listing presentation, and she says, are you a big geek or a little geek? And if you're a big geek, I got the report. I'm going to put this in your inbox every week while we have your house listed. You're going to see all the details. If you're a little geek, I want you to look at one number. If this number, this market action index, is falling while we have your house listed, that's the market giving us a signal that you've got more seller competition, less buyers out there. And I want you to keep your eye on one number. So it's a long answer to your question, but... We distill, distilling it into one number is really useful for people. And, and, and you said, Mike, she's down in Charlotte, I think you just said? Yep. Yeah. So it's yes. a pretty big market. There's tons of data. There's lots of, of information. So you have a statistical significance of what's going on. How well does that work within smaller markets? What are you seeing within the 50,000-person communities or 100,000-person communities versus the So it, it works, yeah, it works well uh, as long as inventory is above maybe 25 or so. Uh, properties. So in, in a, in a market, maybe a rural market where you've got four farms on the market, it's going to be hard to measure supply versus demand without a lot of noise. But, but as long as you've got a handful of homes on the market, um, will, you'll, you'll be able to gauge that. Within, we, we within a, a neighborhood. So you're saying when you say 2530, you don't mean 2530 in a, in a, in a county or within a school district. You mean right. within truly within a comparable property. Yeah, the way we like to do it is, uh, we do, we start at the zip code. So all the Altos reports are at the zip code level. And then inside the zip code, we do price range quartiles. So the high end of the market may be behaving differently from the low end. And so that's how we look at the, at the, the sure. numbers. So we'll, you know, you'll see if there's, if there's, um, you know, 25 or 40 or 100 homes on the market in a zip, then, you know, each of those quartiles will have 25 homes in it. And you can, you, then you can get the trend out there. If you, uh, if it's a rural, you know, we track basically the whole country. And so, um, you know, you could look at some really rural, you know, counties and, and there's not that much inventory, but you still get. Let me jump in on that. I mean, you're seeing they're rural versus urban. I mean, in Mm -hmm. some of the markets that that, that we're looking at, you see that the urban is doing far better than rural for the last several years. Are you seeing the data reflect that? Yes. So the way you'd see that in the Altos data would be you'd see it uh, a lower market action index. So that means there's inventories there. It sits around for a while. Uh, it's, you know, there's less buyer demand relative to the supply. So it's not just that there's smaller supply. It's, it's that, you know, it, it, the longer. So you'll see it a lower market action index. You'll also see it in days on market, of course, the so time to sell those properties. You'll see it. Um, we can do, we, we can look at things like, um, uh, the percentage of homes on the market that have taken a price cut. Um, and so this is a really powerful indicator. And we put this in all our, our Altos reports. So a rule of thumb nationally is that about 35% of homes take a price cut before they sell. That means sometimes that's strategic, you know, intentionally overpriced. Sometimes it's accidental. Sometimes it's a, you know, a wacky client. Doesn't matter, right? It's, but the, but the it's aggregate about 35%. shows that. the aggregate. And when when um, 
in, and, th- and there's a little bit of a range. That's a rule of thumb. There's a little bit of range. So hot, you know, markets like Palo Alto, where I live, you know, might be, you know, 15% only. But what happens is if you, if you look at 35% as a rule of thumb in markets that are hot, all of a sudden, 35% thought they were overpriced, but only 25% took a price cut or 20% because there was more demand, right? Sometimes you overprice it and like, oh, that one went. I'm, what a surprise, right? So the that's an indicator of demand, watching the percentage of homes on the market that take a price cut. In a cold or cool market, that starts climbing over 40%, even to 50% of homes that are on the market have taken a price cut. So you could look, for example, in your urban rural and give a, and, and do two things. You could compare them to each other. Uh, in this part of town, you know, we're at, we're at 22% price cuts, which, which means demand is robust. It's, it's actually that, that's highly correlated to prices climbing. Right. We could look in rural and see it in a, in where, you know, oh, price 46% of taking a price cut. Demand's pretty soft, you know. We know that this is going to take a long time to sell. You know how to, we're going to have to market this property properly. You can think about list pricing strategy. For example, do you, do you drop a, um, you know, do you already start it lower or do you, does that mean you're going to start it a little bit? You can think about your pricing strategy knowing yeah. that 45% take it back. So Mike, it's interesting. One of the agents that's, that's local to one of our markets years ago used to talk about the fact that he would run agent CMAs. So when he was making an offer on a property, he would go and pull everything that had been sold by that agent over the last three years and figure out how often did they require price cuts? What was their average you know, list price to sale price ratio? Because there are certain agents who inherently overprice everything and those who really go after, or after the specific market value when they first put a listing on. Right. Do you guys study individual agent performance? I mean, is that something that you've looked at? Or even if it's not something you're publishing, you know, publicly right now, is that something you guys view? We we uh, we definitely don't publish. We've done a little <laughs> bit of uh, analysis on it, um, and uh, you know what I like to do. We're in the business of making those all those agents better, right? And so some of the agents' their strategy is to price high to yep. begin with. Some of them is the you know that's that is uh, not my skill. Marketing the house is not my skill per se, but that's the agents. But what I can do is give those agents, you know, a whole lot of ammo for this to, to back up their strategy, right? So they can use that strategy. They can, they, the consumers, um, you know, a really great agent knows it in their bones. They, they speak it well. The consumers go, yep, I'm, I'm going with you, Jim, because you know what you're talking about. Um, and that's great. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, it, but, but most of us need to go, here's why I, this is why I back this right. up and this is why we go this direction. So, uh, yeah. So, so we don't, we don't measure agents, uh, in, in, uh, specific. Is that a premium feature that you offer? Yeah. Sort of. On, on the, on the, <laughs> For you, Jim, I will, uh, we'll dive in and we'll do, we'll do the work. So <laughs> I want to go back to the compression. One of the notes I took when you were talking was, you know about the compression of the transaction. How it stayed, you know, the same timeline for you know forever. Um, I mean, even and that's fascinating to me that even with Zillow and the you know prevalence of the MLS and the alerts that you're talking about, I mean, every, when a home hits the market, everybody knows about it immediately. But the time frame from buying decision, like start to buy, is still the the same. It is that is that just societal or sociological or I mean, what do you see that? Yeah, my. 
so my take is, you know, there, there are, uh, um, there are, there's, there's a few windows in there. We've got the shopping window. We've got some indecision time about, is it right for me? Do I have my piece of, and then you've got a, you've got an offer negotiate closing window. I can imagine, uh, in the next few years, that closing window, uh, starts to compress. The time between offer and closing because of all the innovation in the mortgage, you know, the guaranteed mortgage stuff that's going on, the iBuyers and those things, bringing down uh, the, the closing time part of that window. I don't think that compresses uh, the the shopping time, uh, the decision time. I can give you an example. You know, I have more information than anybody in the world on the real estate market. And I went and I bought a house in Tahoe, my, my ski house, you know, my, my second house in Tahoe that is... Um, you know, and, and it is, I, I looked at 25 houses before I bought okay. it. You know, I made that to <laughs> drive me around to 25 places before I found the place I, you know, I wanted, you know, and we took nine months before we, you know, before we found that place. And, um, and it was, it, it was a little bit of, um, you know, like, is this so, this is, you know, getting the real feel for the neighborhood, the precise neighborhood. It's a little bit of the, you know, the property itself. It's a little bit of the, oh, do we, you know, do we want to stretch the budget or do we not? All of those things that, that had to go in and, um, and more data didn't, you right. know, doesn't, so, more, more analysis doesn't. It's a limitation. That. I mean, the, 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 so far as I know, as of yet, there's no, you know, there's no data that says, you know, at least that we have we have easily access to is this is the home for you like a you know a, a tender for homes or neighborhoods you know <laughs> yeah and and um, you know there are um, I, I could imagine a world where you know I did a whole bunch of testing data you know my tinder like you know like in the in the mountain houses you know there's a, there are certain styles and you know it's got a sharp peak roof. And me, if it's got curved windows under the sharp peak roof, I like it. It's all this design, uh, you know, contrast to me. And I'm like, I don't want it. And like, you know, is there some, is there some, uh, advanced AI that would start to learn that that's the nuance of me? And, uh, could be, you know, it could be at some point. And, uh, but, but also, you know, like the, the, you know, or we could go look at 25 houses and I go, that's the one. Right. <laughs> like, so, so there, 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 I'm sure there's some nuances about that, 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 um, could, that'll come together. Um, uh, and, and, you know, maybe compress that time a little bit. Uh, but there's a finite number of houses. So we just go look at the ones we're going to look at. So, you know, the other question is by at the end of that though, you still paid attention to your gut, not the, not the research of the data, right? Yeah. So in what I did in the, what I can do in the data is I like to use the price range segments, the price range quartiles. So what we do is, uh, you know, you've got, um, a hundred homes on the market and there's the 25 most expensive and the next, next and then the least expensive. Um, and you can really see where the demand is in the market by breaking it out that way. And we break out every zip code in the country by its price. And, and condos are different from single family right. homes. So you can look and you can see that, uh, you know, in this market, if, if it's 300K, it's 14 days on the market. And if it's 700K, it's 160. Uh, you can see exactly what's going on there. 
So, uh, for me, it's a, it allows us to go like, like, you know, I can see the, mar- the place where I'm, the price where I'm making an offer is taking a long time and it allows me to bid lower, right? I know I have more strength, right? Um, or vice versa. When more commonly, it's the other way around, right? You're talking, you're an agent, you're talking, you know, and, and your clients as well. I hear it's slowing down. Let's lowball this one. And, and you can say, look, in your price, you're, you're in the hottest price range of the market. And it's a 18 days. Uh, if you want this house, you're going to make the right off. And so using that, you know, con- communicating with, with uh, the buyer that way. Yeah. I mean, I will say so I'll do it that the, way. the interesting part is when working with buyers and sellers frequently, if you see the trend, but it's not well known in the marketplace yet, you can't take advantage necessarily of, oh, it's a slowing market. We're going to be able to, to wheel and deal on this. It's more a question of the seller feels like he may not even know that it's slowing down yet, he and he's not know. ready to take an adjustment to where he's anchored that that price yet. Yeah. Oh, I just left my uh, my market report on your counter, Mister Seller. You can see it's you can see the days on market climbing. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the market action index is falling. You might uh, you might be interested. In well, that. I always find that my own <laughs> clients want to hear advice on on statistics and on on market trends. It tends never to work that when you provide it to the other side that they pay any attention to what you're saying at all. So it's, it is, it's definitely a, a, a balancing game. But That's right. But, yeah. Well, at the end of the day, it's really about, you know, uh, are you generating confidence in your clients? Right. And are you, you know, and, and that's really what the whole, the whole point is. And Jim, I know you do that a ton with your, you know, your writing and your data. Like the whole point is that, like, we all understand what's going on. We're working as a team here. We are founded by solid information, not just like I'm. You know, I'm not trying to pull one over on you, and right. you know, I'm not trying to sell your house for a low because you know because I want to get it done seven days earlier. You know, whatever the the deal is, right? It's like it's about building confidence. It's about building long term trust. It's about nurturing them over time, right? So this is back to your gestation uh, question, Jim. Like if it takes nine to 18 months, I'm starting to think about it. And I, and I, and I'm like, I'm maybe buying, or in my case, I'm looking at houses and it's 25 houses. I'm looking more. Um, and, uh, or I'm, or I haven't looked in six weeks and now I get, and I get the market report in my inbox. Now, you know, I, and what the way we do it on the Alto side is, you know, we send out your market reports for you. And you can look and see which of your contacts are opening that report this week. And you can say, oh, I haven't talked to him in 18 months. Maybe I should pick up the call. He's looked at the report eight times this month. So, this so real quick, maybe mindful of your time. Um, you know, the, we, you know, the title of the podcast is Sweat, is Sweat the Details. You know, as, you're, you know, as you've built your business and you maintain your business, is there, is there one detail that, you've, that you, fo- you wake up every day and that's your sort of burning desire to focus on this one thing on a daily basis or weekly basis? Yeah, you know, uh, well, for our business, we, we have a couple of metrics that we check and we share with the whole team. Uh, I am a, uh, uh, I have a peculiar kind of measuring of my, my metrics, um, uh, where most of the things that we measure, I think, in this world are these goals we set are arbitrary and they're really lousy. But the one thing I do is we check, I track our total number of accounts on our platform. The total number of agents and brokers, and uh, and I can watch that one, and it can watch it go up each day. We know like that's a number. Um, we don't have a goal set for it, but we we share it, and we know that when it grows, it's good. 
we track that. Uh, we track things like um, total report views, so total number of people around the world or around the country reading an Altos report every day. So, uh, so yeah, so I track those numbers. Those couple of numbers are the details that we share with our team, uh, and um, and we watch them climb. Personally, I do. I track my total number of customer touches every day, and I just make a quick little note, and I want that number to to be you know climbing. I can see you know where my personal productivity is. Very cool. Well, Mike, I'm going to say uh, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for getting up uh, this early in the day for you. Um, we really and truly appreciate it, and look forward to, to tracking the data and seeing where seeing where this year goes and and, and beyond. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to um, hearing more and um, seeing how we can reach reach people together. Yeah, it's been great. Look forward to bumping like, into like you. Like doing the podcast. Thanks. Cool. Thanks for the invite. Thanks, Mike. Guys. Appreciate it. I, I think just in listening to him, the idea of a of a you know of a market action index, having something that our buyers, our sellers can look at on a on a daily, weekly, you know, probably not a daily basis, but right. But at least really getting something that's empirically based instead of our own, you know, gut impression of what the market's doing. Um, that's a huge number. I mean, that would be fabulous to to have on a daily basis. Well, I like the way he presented. He said, you know, are you a big geek or a little geek? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what we try to do is you know talk to the you know I think you and I you know have, have attracted date, attracted people big consumers geeks. who are who tend to be big geeks. Yeah. Um, but I think that for a lot of people, they just want to know. I mean, he's right. I mean the you know, how much is my home worth? How's the market? You know, and what and should I buy? Yeah, what's, um, out, what's out there? You know, but I, you know, the one thing that he was talking about the timelines and the, the compression of the timelines. One, uh, I think that we will come to a day where a component of, of the market is going to be, you know, AI driven of looking at you know, whatever whatever replaces Facebook and takes your and takes your your buying habits and your cultural habits into, you know, this is the neighborhood that you, that should be good for you. And I think that that also is terrifying. From a from a fair housing perspective, but there's but there's no reason to think that we could not come to a point where we send a website to a, a buyer client who goes through a Tinder like list of photos of homes, and they and just say the record, yes no yes for no. For the yes, record, no. neither one of us is on Tinder. I've never actually even <laughs> seen anyone play on Tinder. But the uh, you know the reality is there's nothing to say computer learning can't help a an agent better be able to call what homes are going to be appealing right. to a, a person, and. You know, that's interiors, that's exteriors, that's about what's important on, on you know, level of, of kind of fin fit and finish of a house, whether someone wants a fixer-upper or whether they want something that's, that's perfectly set. Those are things that could result in a significantly quicker time sale. That he didn't need to look at 25 homes if the agent already knew that 23 of them were not even going to, they were just going to be right. non-starters. No, I mean, it, 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 the, the compression of the transaction, I think, is something where it's happening. You know, the mortgage aspect is, you know, Theoretically, is shortening, right? Uh, but your kids are still going to need to finish out the school year. You know, they're they're still going to need to get a con at least get a contract on their house, schedule movers, buy the next place, or rent. I mean, there are, there are life logistics. Well, there's that all, can't be compressed. But there's also the logistic that you know he looked at 25 homes. He said over a nine month time period. If we knew that the first 23 were non starters, that still would not have made that 25th available until the ninth month in his search. Right. So even if even if we were able to say you don't need to look at homes this weekend, it doesn't mean that he gets a faster sale. The the actual shopping period does not become more compressed. Maybe he missed on something in the first month that he didn't know about at that time, mm -hmm. and maybe we could have identified something earlier. But if 
in a market, especially right now where we are in 2019, very, very low supply, um, relatively. I mean, you know, the, the they're, they're still there where we still need to be able to have inventory available for people to shop. And, right. and it doesn't, you know, it's if you're looking for a four bedroom house and there simply aren't any on the market in your city that fit your needs at your price point, there's nothing you're going to, you know, AI is not going to improve that opportunity. No, exactly. 